You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. These young people wonder if anyone cares that they're perishing. They needed Jesus to speak to their Christian families and in the face of bigotry, speak in the name of inclusion and affirmation and celebration and love, saying, peace be still. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 376. Our title this week is Peace Be Still, and our reading this week is from the Gospel of Mark. Mark 4, 35 through 41. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So the story of Jesus calming the storm is the first nature miracle in the Gospel of Mark. Until this point, the author of this Gospel has been structuring narratives that subverted Jesus' society. Jesus is an exorcist or a, a healer in the stories, and 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 in each one of those, there, there's this subtle calling into question the social power structures and, and who they benefited and who they marginalized. But with this story, the author introduces a new side of Jesus. Now Jesus is also seen as having authority in relation to nature itself. Now the first C and it's called a sea, but it's really a lake uh, crossing in Mark's gospel. This first one is, it's part of a pattern in, in Mark of pairing important narratives. The second sea crossing is in Mark 6, 45 through 53. And an example is like the two feedings of the multitudes that are found in the book of Mark. There's this, this pairing that Mark does for emphasis. And most scholars believe that uh, the gospel of Mark was intended for both Jewish and non-Jewish Jesus followers in the early church, making the Christian tent large enough to bring together both Jewish followers of Jesus in in Galilee and Judea, and then the the Gentile followers of Jesus from Paul's travels and ministry, that was a top priority. So, in this first sea crossing, the author of Mark is, is invoking narratives that would have been meaningful to both groups of Jesus' followers. By calling the lake uh, a sea, uh, this gospel recalls that the Hebrew narratives about Yahweh and the sea, and, and uh, stories like the, the Ark of Noah or, or the crossing of the Red Sea with Moses and the Hebrews, and, and, and even reference to some storms in the book of Psalms. Here are some examples. In Job 26, 12, it says, By his power, 
power he stilled the sea, by his understanding he struck down Rahab. And remember, Rahab is that mythical sea monster, which was a symbol for uh, the nation of Egypt. In Psalms 107.29, it says, He made the storm be still, and the waves in the sea were hushed. In Psalms 106.9, He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry. And He led them through the deep as through a desert. Now, for Hellenistic Jesus followers, Jesus' ability to command the wind and the sea in this story, it would have been one of the few acts in the Gospel of Marks that were comparable to the stories of Hellenistic miracle workers. Having the ability to command both the wind and the sea, that associated a person in that culture with powers attributed to Zeus, like the wind, and Poseidon with the the, the see. And there may be another apologetic association being made in this story as well. Many scholars throughout the centuries, they've noticed that in this story, there are parallels with this story and and other stories told about uh, a contemporary of Jesus, which is Apollonius of Tyana. And and placing Jesus on the level of Apollonius and and other wonder workers in that world, that, and it may be hard for us to get our head around this, but that was actually the author of the God gospel, they were highly honoring Jesus in doing this. Because of classism, for those who who favored the miracle narratives of Apollonius, uh, Jesus was the imposter. He, he was a miracle worker for the uneducated, for the poor, and for those on the margins of this society. It was the elites and the wealthy and the well-connected that favored the stories of Apollonius. So, so Mark's Christology had not yet evolved, remember, to the levels that we see much later in the Gospel of Mark. We still see in Mark these, these, these types of parallels with other miracle workers. And also noteworthy are, are the parallels between this story and, and the story told during the Flavian dynasty of, of Roman emperors, miraculous powers over over nature. The Flavian era was the time period that most scholars believe the Gospel of Mark was written in. And Jesus commands the winds and the waves of a body of water that's referred to as Lake Tiberius. This was after Tiberius Caesar Augustus. All four canonical Gospels compare Jesus with Roman imperialism, and they contrast the, the Pax Romana with the peace that results from Jesus' teachings uh, on including the Mark marginalized community resource sharing and the redistribution of wealth from the rich to the poor. And and this could be just another one of those comparisons. But as we found in the Gospels, if Jesus is to be a superior choice to other options in the world of the gospel writers and their audiences, the authors had to at least first portray Jesus as being at minimum on equal ground with other com- others that were competing for followers in that time. But what does this story say to us today? That's the big question. How can the Jesus story inform our work of justice and love and compassion in our various contexts and social settings. Well, I don't think we have to now uh, that we have to portray Jesus as superior to everything else around us 
to, in order to follow the teachings of that Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee. Superiority or supremacy, exceptionalism, and or a, a, like a chosen status, those have only proved to divide us within the human family. These ways of telling our stories have been harmful at best and, and lethal at worst. And I believe it's enough to consider the values, the ethics, and the teachings within the Jesus story and determine whether the fruit of those teachings still have anything of intrinsic value to offer us and, and whether they can inform our work of making our world a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. If they can, then following the Jesus of the gospel stories in our context of the 21st century, then that'll be life-giving too. And these are the questions I think that we should be wrestling with, especially as Jesus followers who are 2,000 years removed from when these stories began and when they were originally told. I believe there's a lot still within the Jesus stories that, that's still worth listening to, the, like the Golden Rule, uh, certain themes found in the, the Sermon on the Mount, and, and the value of love above all else. These alone are worthy of our practice. And I don't believe Jesus still needs to, to command wind and waves in our postmodern, post-enlightenment world to still be worthy of being following uh, or being followed. In fact, the, the supernatural story elements that were that might have been persuasive in the first century, they're too often now obstacles uh, to following Jesus in our 21st century by, by um, honest-minded people. So, I, I don't need a Jesus who supernaturally commands our natural forces. What I need is a Jesus who can speak into our, our racial struggle for justice today. I need a Jesus who can speak into our economic crisis uh, alongside the poor in the face of those who, who are made richer even in this pandemic. I need a Jesus who can speak into our ecological crisis and humanity's threatened existence on our planet. I need a Jesus who can speak into women's struggles for an equitable society where misogyny and all its ugliness still threatens to capsize their thriving. I need a Jesus that can challenge the great windstorm and the waves of deep homophobia, biphobia, transphobia in the Christian church that threatens to capsize the lives of LGBTQ young people, not just the winds and waves of a Galilean lake. These young people wonder if anyone cares that they're perishing. They need a Jesus to speak to their Christian families and, in the face of bigotry, speak in the name of inclusion and affirmation and celebration and love, saying, peace be still. What storms of injustice this week? in our world, in your society, in your community, in your family, do you need someone to add their voice to alongside yours and speak peace, to speak love, to speak compassion, to, to, to say, peace, be still. We don't need a peace that's only a passive lull in our struggle for equality. We need a peace that is the fruit of an established justice, a peace that can, can do more than enable us to just survive, uh, but to help us uh, find what we need to, to be able to thrive. It's not stilling the voice of those that are crying out for justice that we need.
need. We need a stilling of the forces that threaten those lives on a daily basis. The Jesus who speaks that peace is the Jesus I need, and I would guess you do too. As Jesus followers in our context today, the peace in these gospel stories that can speak most loudly to us and our present concrete material need in our natural world and bring genuine peace is that kind of peace that's rooted in established justice. That Jesus, the, the Jesus that speaks that peace is the kind of Jesus that I want sleeping in the bow of our society's boat today. Heart group application number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's eSight or podcast with your heart group. Number two, where would you like to see a societal peace that's rooted in distributive justice and the tempest of injustice and exclusion that threatens to capsize people's thriving today. Discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.